2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, February 7th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Super Bowl betting in the U.S. expected to hit $16 billion this year. That's just for one day alone. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, the rise of artificial intelligence is leading to a battle of the chatbots. Let's get the latest now from Dan Gallagher, tech reporter for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street column, based in San Francisco. Dan, thanks for joining us today. At first, there was ChatGPT, but now it looks like the uh, other tech biggies are jumping into the AI space. Uh, Google working on a project called Bard, tip of the hat to Shakespeare, and Microsoft making an announcement right now about their uh, artificial intelligence chat application. Is it just me, Dan, or is it seems like this uh, space uh, really transformed overnight? Well,
3: it, it, in some way, it's more like a, the perception. It became public in a way, uh, in a new way overnight. Uh, Microsoft and Google have both been pushing AI for years now, investing heavily in it, uh, talking about it uh, a lot in their like product announcements and earnings calls. So it's not a new focus for them. But what changed, what changed things seemingly overnight was that this chat GPT surfaced in essentially like the 1st of December, and just caught fire. Um, People like flooded to it because you could have, you could ask these kind of conversational questions and get coherent conversational responses. And that kind of brought the technology to the um, forefront of consumers' minds in a way that wasn't before. And so that that happened very, very quickly. But this has been budding for years.
2: Microsoft and Google are now uh, making big splashes in the artificial intelligence space, which means uh, they both believe they can make a lot of money uh, selling this software or these applications to businesses or the general public. Uh, Who is the first and uh, most obvious customer for BARD or Microsoft's uh, particular
3: application? Well, I think that remains to be seen. I mean, I think what what um, what people started thinking of when once ChatGPT went public was what impact could this have on on Google's search business? Because you know, you think about it when you use Google, you're typing in questions, trying to find you know answers, places to go, and so the theoretically, a technology that was like more you know, conversational in that way could be a big threat to that. Um, that's still, I think, a long ways off because you know a lot. Of chat B- GPT's results don't 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 always return the most accurate information or stuff that you can like kind of make advertising dollars against. Um, but obviously, advertising is a big potential impact of the way AI can like um, serve the all the corporate customers these companies serve. Um, and you're talking about the potential to make a lot of money. They're spending a lot of money to enable this. I mean, these, these are two companies that between them spend $50 billion a year in capital expenditures now um, to build up data centers and everything else that have to serve this kind of capability.
2: And this is, at first blush, a uh, a, a productivity application if it were to be used by business.
3: Uh, Yeah, it could be. I think there's a I think what we're going to see with Microsoft today is kind of their first steps in at least I mean, they've talked about how they're going to embed this kind of AI into their products, but it's been more general. And so I think we'll see with this event is some more specifics about what they're thinking of. You know, maybe this gets embedded into their Bing search engine and ways, and some of their other products that serve businesses.
2: Well, so if you also use it in, uh, in, in, in Outlook as well, I mean, the old saying, uh, this meeting could have been an email and
3: now this email could be written by A.I., that's <laughs> possible. And again, we've we've already seen that. You know, if you've been using Gmail for the last few years, there's AI in that that kind of helps complete sentences, and that that's kind of a more rudimentary form than we're seeing. So in a way, this kind of this technology has kind of been a slow building process um, building process that all of a sudden now people are just there's a mass awareness of.
2: Dan Gallagher, tech reporter for The Wall Street Journal based in San Francisco. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, the explosion of legalized betting means some uh, pretty eye-popping numbers for Super Bowl
4: wagering. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
2: It will be a record-setting Super Bowl for betting with around 50 million Americans expected to wager about $16 billion. We welcome in David Foreman, the vice president of research for the American Gaming Association based in washington david thanks for joining us today and uh, what a difference a couple of decades make Uh, in the 80s if you watched a super bowl broadcast on uh, cbs or nbc you had jimmy the greek or pete axthelm uh, winking and nodding about point spreads uh, through a super bowl broadcast but now it's above board and it's absolutely massive business we're talking billions of dollars to be wagered on sunday and what are people betting on
4: well, first of all, Rob, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, and, you know, you said it's been a crazy couple of decades, but it hasn't even been that long since we've seen a big change in, in terms of sports betting, right? Just, just five years ago, you could only bet legally on the Super Bowl uh, in Nevada. And, and this week, we think that about 50 million American adults, uh, that's 20% of, of the whole population of the country, uh, is going to collectively bet about $16 billion dollars. Uh, on the Super Bowl. So uh, it's, it's been a huge change in, in a really short amount of time, and, and people uh, have embraced uh, the option to bet uh, safely and, and legally on these games, which, as you mentioned, they used to have to kind of wink and nod at it. And, and uh, you know consumers uh, didn't have a lot, of, a lot of great options to do something that uh, makes the games uh, more exciting.
2: Now, do Super Bowl squares and pools fall under the realm of uh, Super Bowl betting?
4: We do include Super Bowl squares and pools uh, in our number, uh, and they make up a really big part of, of Super Bowl betting. Right, the Super Bowl and March Madness are, are kind of unique sporting events in, in in the country in that there's this really big component of social or casual betting. Right, you're going to bet with your friend, or you're going to participate in a, a squares contest or a bracket contest at at work or at the bar, uh, and that is a really big big part of it. Uh, you know, last year just under a uh, billion dollars was bet legally. We think uh, this year a little bit over a billion dollars will be bet uh, legally. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, the casual bets and the, and the kind of social gaming is, is a really big part of, of the Super Bowl and March Madness especially.
2: Of, of this $16 billion estimate, how does the math change, let's say, if this turns into a blowout on either side, Kansas City or Philadelphia? Uh, does the betting activity uh, taper off once the uh,
4: outcome of the game uh, seems uh, like a fait accompli? No, I think you know the scenario of a game being an, a blowout kind of highlights you know some of the benefits that sports betting brings. You know, not just for gaming companies, but uh, for media companies and for leagues uh, and teams. Right? Uh, you know, the Super Bowl is kind of unique in that people will will probably continue watching uh, no matter what the score is. But uh, for a lot of sport games, you know, if it's a blowout, uh, you know, people might turn it off. But if the the spread is 21 or something, and and the the teams are uh, 25 points apart, and you have $10 on the game. Uh, you know, you're a lot more likely to, to keep watching, or you could bet bet in game to to make a blowout more exciting uh, for you. So, uh, you know, sports betting and, and a blowout, uh, you know. They're not necessarily mutually exclusive in terms of enjoying the game.
2: My favorite uh, side story of the Super Bowl, obviously, it's it's the, it's the prop bets, the side bets, the stuff outside of the game. Uh, how long is the national anthem? Uh, what's the over under? On how long they hold uh, "Brave" in "Home of the Brave." Uh, where does Rihanna start with? What's your first song in the uh, in the halftime show? Uh, what are some of the, the the prop bets that are like traditional Super Bowl tra- prop bets, and what are some that are just kind of knocking around this year?
4: Yeah, I mean the the biggest one uh, in the past few years, it's always mind blowing, is is the coin flip. Uh, people love to bet on on heads or tails right off the bat. Uh, you know the other kind of perennial popular ones are the the color of the Gatorade uh, at the end of the game. Uh, you know the the length of the national anthem, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, you know how many times announcers will say various words, and and not all of these things are legal to bet on in every state because these are uh, you know sort of ancillary to the game. Uh, and and while in many states you can you can bet on some or all of these. Uh, each state regulatory body kind of takes a different view of it. So, uh, again, you know, if you're betting on a legal site, you'll only be presented with options that are legal for you, but uh, not all of those bets are available to consumers. I'm, sure,
2: there, I'm sure there's an over-under on the uh, number of times uh, the Kelsey brothers' parents are uh, seen uh, in the stadium. Uh, David Foreman, Vice President of Research, the American Gaming Association based in Washington. Thanks for joining us today. Up next in Travel Tuesday, why some airlines lowering the experience requirements for pilots. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and in this segment, we're talking about the uh, ongoing pilot shortage and its implications for the airline industry. We're joined by Ken Goldstein, President KJG International Consulting, based in Chicago. Ken, thanks for joining us today. And it seems like uh, one major airline is trying to address the uh, pilot shortage by uh, speeding up the amount of time it takes uh, for you to actually get into the uh, the
5: right seat? Well, what's happened, and we've been talking about this for many a year because this has been an ongoing problem, is Southwest has decided to open the gates. Uh, as of February 7th, which is today, they decided to say, well, no longer do you have to have a thousand hours of turbine or jet experience to become a pilot, or they'll open the door for you, we're going to cut it in half. You have to have 500 hours of required time. So all that does is say, okay, we're going to increase the pool. Now, by saying that, some people will say, well, wait a minute, are you lowering the standards? The answer is no. You still have to meet the FAA requirements for 1,500 hours of combined time, and secondly, uh, you still have to meet and go through their qualifications to become a pilot or to sit in the right-hand seat as a co-pilot. So it really doesn't matter. All they're doing is saying, we're going to increase the pool so we've got more people coming in the door. That's what they were doing. Uh, now, I, and it's God, I'm
2: sorry. Obviously, there were a lot of retirements uh, as the uh, COVID pandemic shut down the airline industry in uh, early 2020. But I seem to remember prior to COVID, there was a big washout rate in the pilot pool. Uh, You had a number of pilots who would have to start off with the regional carriers, long hours, low pay, and then they would just say, the heck with this, and uh, leave the industry entirely. Is this a case of that particular business practice uh, catching up with the industry?
5: Well,
3: I think it
2: is,
5: but you had also a bigger problem. The bigger problem was that many pilots were reaching a mandatory age of retirement at 65 and 70 that the FAA put in. And they're coming to there, and these were good pilots. They could fly a little bit longer, but the FAA said, no, you gotta get out. So this was a problem. Pilots are trying to push that age up a little bit from 65 to 70. Uh, so you've got it at both ends of the spectrum. The long and short, again, is There is no doubt about it. It is a real problem. We are having a pilot shortage. Several airlines have done what they could to get more people into the programs. United has, for example, started its own flying school. And on uh, this the end of January, they graduated their first class. And this is going to be an ongoing thing for them. But it's not just the airlines. The military is losing pilots. You know, they're hiring or they're adding to their retention bonuses to keep people flying. But you've got more airlines coming in there. Plus, we're looking at increased amount of passengers. I mean, all the airlines are saying, hey, come this spring and summer, we're going to be flying more people around the world. Someone's going to be needed up front to fly those planes. That's where the pilot shortage is. I mean, the numbers are almost staggering as we look at it. Uh, We're talking about an estimated shortage of growth by 2024 of 11,000 pilots. And it increased globally to 60,000 by 2032. These are pretty big numbers. I mean, you've got new airlines coming in. Avilos is one. They're increasing and starting to look at These are the smaller airlines. You look at another thing. Um, Breeze is another one. Although you've got a merger between JetBlue and potentially with Spirit, and they merge because they want to get some of their slots, but more importantly, they want to get their pilots, but you're still going to need more people to fly the planes.
2: Ken Goldstein, President, KJG International Consulting in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries. So that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
4: This is Chicago's News Traffic and
2: Weather Station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Rescue efforts continue following a pair of catastrophic earthquakes impacting Turkey and Syria. President Biden puts the final touches on tonight's State of the Union address. Travel Tuesday, a guide to some of the best getaway destinations in Illinois, especially as Valentine's Day is around the corner. It's one week away, as a matter of fact, and we'll talk about responsible spending for the holidays. Holiday. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed right now. The Dow is down 144 points. The NASDAQ is up one. The S&P 500 is down nine. Mainly cloudy today. Blustery and chilly, says AccuWeather. High today of 43. Wind chills in the 30s. We have 37 degrees right now at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, President Biden is expected to highlight economic issues when he delivers his State of the Union address tonight. The details from CBS News correspondent Nancy Cordes. But
4: simply, I would argue the Biden economic plan is working.
1: And yet many Americans are still skeptical. A new CBS News poll finds a majority of them currently believe that President Biden's policies are making inflation, gas prices and the overall economy worse. There you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. You too. Yael Kriegman owns a bakery in Washington D.C. She says business has improved markedly since the pandemic, but it's still too hard to find workers.
2: We'll carry the State of the Union address live on WBBM tonight at 8, followed immediately by the Republican response. Entire neighborhoods in Turkey and Syria have been leveled by two earthquakes and major aftershocks. The death toll is climbing. It's now above 5,000.
3: Hospitals are burgeoning with the wounded closer to the epicenter. Getting them the help they need is proving to be harrowing. The roads are mangled, uprooted, or covered in debris. Some are completely unusable. Indeed, there are parts of the region that have yet to receive any help whatsoever. Chris Lifsey, CBS News, Southern Turkey.
2: It's 12.32 as the Noon Business Hour continues. Uh, markets are trading lower now. We're joined by Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist with MoneyMorning.com. Shah, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you can kind of track the last hour of trading activity along with uh, the remarks made by made by uh, Fed Chair Jay Powell. Uh, what did he say this afternoon, and and, and why did we have that uh, sudden pop in the markets followed by the sudden sell-off.
6: I think the pop, Rob, was an anticipation that he was going to be a little more dovish than expected. And some of the things that he said could be interpreted one way or another. I think investors thought, OK, that doesn't sound too bad. As he continued on and answered a few other questions, um, specifically, I think, he honed to the, uh, the inflation number and that they were going to continue to raise rates until they got inflation down to the 2% level on the, based on the uh, PCE index. Uh, that's when I think markets turned around and said, well, I guess he's more hawkish than we thought. And uh, turn tail, but uh, right now, you know, how we close the day remains to be seen. But what so far, the investors don't like what they heard from Chairman Powell today.
2: And 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 so far this year, the it's it's been a, a very good year for the S and P 500, and it seems like the stocks that really took their lumps in 2022 uh, have once again turned into a beautiful swan in the first uh, six weeks of 2023. But all of this optimism seems to be pinned on the idea. that later this year, Fed Fed Chair Jay Powell is going to emerge from the same borough as Punxsutawney Phil and say, you know what? We're lowering interest rates. And that seems to be a bet that belies the facts and the rhetoric so far.
6: That's exactly the bet. And it's an incorrect narrative. Uh, I don't think the Fed has any shot at uh, pivoting later in the year. Yes, they will pause. They may pause after a 25 basis point hike after their March meeting. But the January effect was one thing. And uh, what we've seen, but I'm calling it the everything rally. We're talking about everything from Bitcoin rallying to junk stocks, to meme stocks, to zombie stocks that have no profits, no earnings, no nothing. Everything has gone through the roof. And it's simply because investors sold in December, took their tax losses, and January came around said, well, it's Got to be a better year than 22, and started buying things that looked cheap. Now, everything has gone up. And on the narrative, I think, as you said very succinctly and correctly, that yes, the the Fed is going to pivot. They're not going to pivot. Investors have that wrong. And really, it remains to be seen how stubborn inflation is because the Fed will keep rates higher for longer that's going to eventually impact earnings more negatively than they've already been impacted and investors may have to re-rate their valuation methodology which by which they're counting on the market going higher and that's not i think we're going to see a stall in this everything rally And then we're going to have a moment where the investors are going to question what next.
2: Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist with MoneyMorning.com. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, making a romantic getaway while still staying in Illinois. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday, and in this segment, we're looking at fun Valentine's destinations across Illinois. Let's discuss some of the top spots with Marla Schachowski, who is the spokeswoman for the Illinois Office of Tourism based in Chicago. Marla, thanks for joining us today, and uh, you don't have to go very far to have a uh, romantic getaway in the state of Illinois. And uh, let's start with the the first of uh, three potential romantic Illinois destinations by uh, pointing your car northwest on Route 20 and go all the way to Galena.
0: That's right. Hi, Rob. Great to be here. So Galena from Spas, Wine Tasting and Amazing Dining Options. It has it all. Um, the Galena Bakehouse. If you have a sweet too, check that out. They are on Historic Main Street. Delicious baked goods. They have a special Valentine's menu this time of year with red velvet cupcakes and house-made macaroons. They have a chocolate-covered strawberry latte. So definitely a place to go if you love uh, sweets and baked goods. You can consider seeing at the Little White Church. It's an adorable white church that's been renovated into an Airbnb um, one of the cutest and um, newest uh, attractions, places to stay in Galena, and it has a large fire pit outside, so you can roast some marshmallows and soak in the stars um, next to that special someone. And then, of course, Blom Brothers Distilling Company. This is a family-owned and operated craft distillery producing premium whiskey, vodka, and gin. They offer tours and a guided tasting experience in their tasting rooms. So. So much to see and do in Galena for a couple's getaway.
2: So you say, Marla, I'm overdue for a uh, trip to Galena. It's been about a decade uh, since the last uh, weekend getaway. And that main street in Galena is a lot of fun, but you can walk. It's also a dangerous place, too, because I think I <laughs> I, right. I I went home with more uh, bottles of artisanal olive oil that I ever thought I could possibly ever use. and uh, But it's been 10 years, so I had to go back and load up on some more.
0: Oh, my gosh, yes. There's so many new shops and boutiques open. You can spend even more money on wonderful, um, you know, all kinds of things for your kitchen and for cooking.
2: And then uh, if, 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 if Galena is not your jam or you just went there, uh, you can go southwest of Chicago to the uh, state park uh, known for lots of canyons.
0: Yes, at Starve Rock State Park, a beautiful place to visit any time of year. This time of year, though, stay at the Starve Rock Lodge and Conference Center. It is just steps away from the hiking trails and seasonal waterfalls. It is built in the 1930s and is so cozy and charming this time of year with a huge giant stone fireplace and there's Huge um, lobby, and the cabins are so charming as well. You can see local wildlife there. This time of year, you might still catch some bald eagles soaring above the Illinois River. Um, Just a beautiful setting. There's also the Kishawa Cabins. These are a new lodging option near Starve Rock State Park, only a 10-minute drive from Starve Rock. And, again, ideal for couples or even solo travelers. Or if you're, you know, planning a a family getaway, this is really a four-season season. Place where you can stay. They have wood burning stoves and gas fireplaces in the wintertime and full uh, kitchens in the cabins as well. And of course. And
2: uh, if you don't want to uh, leave the Chicago metropolitan area, if you just want to keep your money inside a uh, zip code that begins with uh, 606, you can just simply uh, get a hotel room downtown.
0: That's right, a staycation. What's more romantic than that? You know, you can relax right here and uh, let. Um, the hotel at the Gwen um, treats you to a wonderful experience. They are rated as one of the top 10 hotels in Chicago by Condé They have a rooftop that features a curling rink, um, an outdoor curling rink for anyone that um, wants to try their hand at curling for some winter fun there. And then um, head over to the newest bar in the sky, Cloud Bar at 360 Chicago. Um, With an admission ticket, it gets you access to Cloud Bar, which has some of the best views of the city. It's on the 94th floor, um, of course, right off the Magmile on Michigan Avenue. So you can't go wrong there for a cocktail and then um, the Sophie Hotel in Hyde Park on the south side has a So In Love special. The Valentine's Day offers um, a bottle of champagne, a signature truffle box, and a um, $100 credit to brunch at their hotel's restaurant, Messler Kitchen. Um, so you will be well-fed there. And then also... Um, If you're interested in making your own candles for the scent, you know, to create your own signature scent with your special someone, um, check out Edgewater Candles in the Edgewater neighborhood right off Bryn Mawr in Chicago's north side. You can go there and have a candle-making class that they offer right on in their store here in Edgewater. So it's a great place to visit.
2: It's all right here in Illinois. Marla Schakowsky, thanks for joining us. Uh, spokeswoman for the Illinois Office of Tourism, talking about some romantic getaways in this state uh, that you could do for Valentine's Day. Join us this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday and still to come how you can celebrate Valentine's Day and shower love on that special someone uh, without breaking the bank. It's- this is the WBBM noon business hour credit card debt is rising in in part because of inflation and Valentine's Day is often a financial splurge and could already lead to big balances let's talk about keeping spending in check with Jennifer Waters Chicago based business writer Jennifer thank you for joining us today now i have to say i learned a very valuable lesson in uh, not <laughs> overextending yourself in grand romantic gestures and that is the episode of the simpsons where mo maxes out his players club card uh, uh, trying to uh, woo Renee in an episode that's uh, older than I care to remember. Um, so that, that's that's my that's that's my cautionary tale. But who is responsible? I mean, you you want to spend in grand romantic gestures on Valentine's Day on that special someone. But what particular demographic? What particular age group? What particular relationship type is the one most at risk of overdoing it and going into a debt you can't really get out of?
1: Uh, Hey, Rob. According to the uh, National Retail Federation, that would be consumers who are ages 35 to 44. They plan to spend an average $335 this year. That's a a big chunk of change even on uh, Valentine's Day. And that's you know that's what they're doing there the most of any age demographic out there that's what the NRF says it's uh it's it's becoming a little bit crazy obviously some of the costs are going to go up this year because inflation is higher and so everything's going to cost a little bit more anyway but people do tend to kind of pull out their credit cards or open their wallets for Valentine's Day. Which, you know, there's still a debate about whether it's a real holiday or and,
2: and this is the basic stuff. This is the bouquet. This may be the nice dinner. This is the card that says, mm-hmm. I choo-choo choose you. That runs to about uh, <laughs> about 200 bucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you know what? You can save money. There are ways to save money on Valentine's Day without you know without sacrificing any love you know um but you know and and let's just talk about a couple of them i mean one of the things is that you should prepare for it before valentines day because the prices are going to go up on valentines day you know before right before and right around it so if you if you know there's a special gift or a piece of jewelry or you know something that you want to get get it like right after christmas when the sales are are really good don't wait until February but there's also things you can do like you know don't go out to dinner do a DIY night at home make dinner at home and make it special and you know just a two review or if it's a family thing you know that the 20 of you but you can also um wait till after Valentine's Day you know I mean what's wrong with going out on the 15th or even the 17th or the 18th instead of the 14th you can also you don't have to go out and get roses. Get get a bunch of flowers that you know whomever your your, your other is likes. You know they don't have to be roses. Roses the the, the price of roses just shoots up like like fifty, sixty, seventy percent on Valentine's Day. So there's things you can do like that. You know, or you can just do it the old fashioned way. Just give a card. Remember in grammar school when you just would everybody would give you cards just. nothing wrong with continuing
2: that tradition. Right. I mean, my my, my daughters are filling out their cards for everybody in the class, and that's the rule now. You have to fill fill out cards for everybody so there's no trauma afterwards. There are no memories that haunt you for the rest of your life. Jennifer Waters, (laughs) Chicago-based business writer, thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.